Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. And what an introduction, right? Like people are cheering and going and freight. And I don't know, I think that they might have actually recorded that. I don't know. Like they were actually running or so. I don't know what they did. Crazy, crazy. I wouldn't hear this week. I'm just teasing. So Ryan doesn't take credit for that stuff. And so I definitely am not going to take credit for it. So uh, good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. I think it's Ethan because that was Ethan's voice there. So give Ethan a hard time. But um, it's good to see you today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Uh, we're in the second week of this series on scores. And in the world in which we live in, everybody kind of keep score. There's some kind of a scoreboard. Even if you don't have a scoreboard, that's your scoreboard. I don't keep scores. That's not my thing. It sure it isn't. Because we all keep it in different ways. We all keep certain metrics in different ways. There's certain measurables in our head and our hearts and in our souls that come out in our lives. And uh, today I want to talk to you about just keeping score. Uh, keeping score, because I, I think that we all do this in different ways. Again, we all have different metrics. We all have different measurables. But we, what we typically tend to do is we track uh, how other people are doing compared to our own success or our own failures. And, uh, and the problem with that is that ultimately you wind up feeling like a, a failure. And, um, you know, it's kind of like social media. And I'm not down, like I don't think social media is a devil. I don't think blah, 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 blah. But I do think social media is probably one of the greatest contributors to mental health or the lack of mental health, should I say, in our world today. Because you have real time, supposedly, real authentic, supposedly, it's kind of like reality TV, yeah, right, uh, um, captures pictures of people's lives and their success stories or whatever it is. And very few times is anybody ever, unless they're making an apology, have you noticed this, like any celebrity that makes an apology, like if it's a female, she has no makeup on, her hair's a wreck, I'm just so sorry, I'm just so distraught. They're never made up, like they're red carpet made up to do something like, because it's all part of this image in order to show contriteness or brokenness or whatever. I, I said this, I should have said this, I completely, I categorically deny, that's another one of the phrases that, you know, I, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Or you just see people that you go to school with or people that you work with, the people in your neighborhood, and they're posting with a new car or with a new house or with a new this or a new that, or they went here or there or whatever, and it's just the whole life is just, and you can look at that and go, man, my life just stinks. Like, really? I mean, like, I, I, I mean, I, 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 a new car, like what? Like, uh, 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 how did they, and, and, and where did they, and, and, and how do they keep up with, and, and the kids all look great, and everybody, and, and they don't see any of the calamity. You see none of that. And it's this, it's this highlight reel. And what happens is you compare your life up next to that. You compare your life up next to someone else's, your worst day to their, to, to, to their best day, supposedly, or to their, basically, should I just say, kind of their curated day, the day they want you to see everything's clean, everything's good. And, uh, and what happens is we're keeping score. The reason why this bothers us is because we're keeping score. And if you look at someone who's a total loser, can I just be honest, since it's just us today, right? If you look at somebody who's a total loser, you're not worried about them. If you have a, if you have a brother or a sister that you're like, complete loser, just completely, like, whatever. <laughs> You don't worry. You know, blind squirrel gets a nut. I mean, they get lucky every once in a while, right? I'm telling you, these things are going to happen. You can write these one-liners down today. It's going to be here today. But if there's somebody that you view as kind of an equal 
or someone that you think maybe you're slightly ahead of because you just know they're not that smart? Don't point, it's not nice, but we all know people like that. <laughs> I'm going to say this, and I mean this with all the love and sincerity in my heart. I used to tell Kevin Miller, who was on staff, I said, man, if anything ever happens to you, like your face, your body, you're done, dude. You're just not that intelligent. You are way better looking than you are smart. And he would smile and go, I know. And that was it, right? I mean, it's like he owned it. Um, it was just a joke that we had. And, um, but the deal is, is that you know people that you're just like, man, and, and so you don't maybe compete with that. But if you feel like that there's someone who is kind of a mano a mano, just kind of on your playing field, just kind of at your same level, whether it's at work, whether it's at school, whether it's in your neighborhood, whether it's a childhood friend, or it's a colleague or someone in, in your world, in your orbit, it can, it can become very competitive in a hurry. And here's the problem. If you're winning, great, but not really great because there are things happening inside of you that really on the long haul of you are counterproductive to who God's called you to be and what he's called you to do because it begins to produce striving in your life. And we're not, we're, we were never created to strive. We were never created to, to try to push through, to, to be better than you. The only person I'm called to compete against is myself. That's it. And, uh, and none of us are as good as our social media reels are. None of us. None of us. And the other part of it is, is if I'm better than you, then it creates a certain amount of superiority, entitlement, pride, arrogance. And pride comes for a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction, the Bible says. So how do I deal with this? Well, the true answer is just simply this, is that complete satisfaction comes from accepting who you are in Christ. And we're like, great, that's awesome. Can I write that down and put that on a plaque, maybe put that on my phone or try to memorize that phrase? But how do I do that? That's what I want to talk about today. How do you do that? How do you live in a world that is highly compet and competitive, live in a world that's highly uh, commercialized, not just with industry and corporations, but with individuals? Everybody's a brand today. How do you live with this? How do you live with yourself? How do you walk this out? Galatians chapter 6, verse number 4, says it this way. Don't compare yourself with others. Okay, got it. Just look at your own work to see if you've done anything to be proud of. Don't compare yourself with others. Look at your own work to see if you've done anything to be proud of. The Bible is very clear about this. That comparison in any shape, in any form, in any, pa in, in any fashion is never going to produce any amount of good in my life. Keeping score, keeping up with, trying to keep my score compared to someone else is, is never going to be anything that's going to produce anything great in my life. The only person I should be competing with is myself. I should try to see if today I can outperform yesterday, if today I can outdo yesterday. Not outdo you, not outdo the church down the street, not outdo the neighbor next door, not outdo the person in the cubicle next to me, or, 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 or a childhood friend, or someone that I'm sitting in a class with, or a lecture hall with. The only person I need to be competing with is me. Why? Three statements. Number one, because keeping score, first of all, leads to pride. Keeping score leads to pride. When our score is better than others, we become prideful. When I look at you and look at me, you may be a total loser on your way to hell, but I'm not as bad as you are, therefore I'm okay. Do you see the problem with that? 
You're not productive. You're not helpful. You're not doing anything. You're not living for God. But hey, I'm not as bad as you are. And again, when we stand before God, we don't get to go, hey, you know what? I'm not as bad as that guy over there. And there's the person, Frank, behind me, three people behind me. He is really horrible, Lord. I'm not as bad as him. Send those guys to hell, but I should be able to get in. You know, the old line is, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you, right? Because the bear will eat you, and then I can live to die for another day. That's not how it works when it comes to the Lord. God doesn't judge you. He doesn't judge me according to anyone else. He judges us according to ourself. Because he knows the talents and the gifts and the callings that he's put in your life. He knows the motives of your soul. He's the only one that is and the only one that can judge that, your own motives. And so he judges you against what he's given you and what you've done with that. It's called stewardship. Too much is given, much is required. If you have the ability to do so, yet you choose not to, you stand account for that. If you have the ability to, to, to give of your time, your talent, your treasure, yet if you have the ability to go the extra mile, if you have the ability to whatever you have the ability to do, you're not judged against anyone else. You're just judged against what you've been given. Do you know how freeing that is to know that God doesn't look at me, expect me to be as good as Pastor Ryan? or expect me to be as good as Maggie Stoffel, or be as good as my wife. God only expects me to be me. God expects you to be you. But the problem is when I get into this competitive nature and I begin to compare myself, all of a sudden I can think I'm okay because I'm better than, and it then begins to create this pride in me. Jesus says it this way in Luke's gospel, chapter 18, verse 11 and 12. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. This is total church people talk. I'm not a robber. I'm not an evildoer. I'm not an adulterer. Even like this tax collector. For I fast twice a week and I give a tenth or a tithe of all I get. Do you feel the arrogance in that? I mean, that's it. Like, you know, I'm not as bad as these people. That's what he's saying. And Jesus is calling this out and going, this is just arrogant pride. He will go on to look at these people and say, you are like a, a whitewashed tomb that looks good on the outside, but you're full of dead man's bones on the inside. What value are you? Because you think that your stuff doesn't stink. You think that you are okay. You think that because you're better than or because you fulfill the law and the scripture in all these ways, you check the boxes that you're okay, but the truth is, it's not about all this external, it's about your heart. C.S. Lewis, the famous author, said it this way, we say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good looking, but they're not. They're proud of being richer or cleverer or better looking than others. If everyone else became equally rich, clever or good looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. Good statement. When I'm keeping up with you and I'm keeping score with you and I'm keeping with you or with someone that I feel is an equal, I become in this pride zone very quick. And all of a sudden, I miss. The problem is, is that pride blinds you. And I become blinded by my own faults, my own failures, my own weaknesses, my own shortcomings, and ultimately those things can take me down. Second statement about contentment is that when I try to keep score, that keeping score leaves us jealous. At the end of the day, it leaves us 
jealous. If I'm just trying to keep up with you and I'm being competitive with you and I'm keeping score with you and with the guy down the street and the guy across here, and the, it keeps me jealous. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30 says that a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Comparison can cause you and I to resent God's goodness in other people's lives. Do you celebrate when someone who you would consider to be a collegial friend or a relationship that would be somewhat horizontal in your world, do you celebrate when good things happen? Or do you say, why not me? Why didn't I get asked to do that? Why didn't I get the promotion? Why does this never happen for me? We've been living in an apartment all these years and, and we're, or in a side-by-side -side and we're trying to get into a house that we own or a condo that we own, but yet this has happened for them. Why does this not happen for me? Comparison. Why, why did they get it? Why, why do all the breaks seem to happen to them? Why, why does this happen? Because basically what you're saying is, why does it not happen for me? It's really not about them, it's about you. And what happens is when I'm trying to compare myself and keep score with what someone else has against with what I have or, 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 or how much they have and I don't have, all of a sudden I ignore God's blessings in my own life. We, we all can do this. This happens with all of us. It's this scorekeeping. I, I see this again a lot with, with, with social media. When I was on this 90-day sabbatical, I completely got off of social media with about two or three times that I would jump on. Can I just tell you, like, how awesome it was not knowing what was going on in the world? Can I just tell you, like, I mean, because there's, I, I'm just like you. I mean, again, th this message that I'm preaching to you today is probably one of the biggest issues that I or any other type A leader has. Because I'm, I'm trying to be like Jesus, but he's perfection and I'm not. So I get that. So then I want to go, how, how am I compared to how is Life Church in comparison to? How are we doing in comparison to? What are the other comparables? Any, any qualitative, quantitative study that has any amount of, of bandwidth when it comes to research, you're always in a comparison model. We, you, I have to have a standard, and, the here, and here's the model, and, and how we compare to this. And, and there's this natural inclination. But when I strip away all of that, the amount of just freeing, because I, all of a sudden I don't know who is, who's doing what and where are they at and what's going on and what's happening. And, and because the truth of the matter is sometimes in my own heart, the Bible says that the heart is, is wicked above all things. It's amazing to me how Jesus lives in your heart and we try to park all these other things in there as well. There's like 140 things that can live in your heart, the Bible says, according to Scripture. And one of those things can be jealousy. That I'm just jealous that this person has what I don't have. That this person got what I thought I should have. Why does it always happen for them? I actually had someone... Be really careful how I say this because you don't know this person at all. But I, I'm pretty, like, I don't put a lot out there. I, they, so there are people here at the church and on the staff that kind of work with some of the social media and the marketing side of things and will say, you need to tell us more and give us more. And I'm horrible at this stuff. Like, I'm reels, like, I don't know how to do all that stuff. And my kids make fun of me. And, and I mean, I'm like the guy with my face is right here. I just, I just, I mean, I'm still, I'm doing well to go digital over analog. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I still miss the old rotary phones. How many, call waiting, right? I mean, like... <laughs> Anybody? You know what I'm talking about? A voicemail? Like, what, what is that? Like, 
I'm just, text is like a great thing to me. I, I just discovered smart TVs a couple years ago. I'm just, I'm just, help, just work with me, people. I'm not all that great. And, 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 and I'm very, very technologically advanced. And so anyhow, I, I don't get on, but I actually had somebody just say, look, I, you know, uh, they got mad at me and they completely unfollowed me on social media. And the problem was me because I just am tired of seeing how good things are going for you and I just don't understand this. And so, and they wanted to tell me this. They sent it to me in a, an email, text, and to communicate this to me. Not anybody at Life Church. You know, no one at Life Church. If it was, I would tell you who it is right now. You could just all. <laughs> I almost thought about throwing out a couple of names right now just for fun, just to really push some buttons, but I won't. Anyhow, it was Ryan, but I won't say anything. So it's just like, and I just thought like, wow. But the problem is, is they have such an issue with scorekeeping. It had nothing to do with me. It had to do with them. Jealousy. And I just thought, what a horrible way to live. To be, at, to be at a place where, where you just, because here's the, here's the way you combat scorekeeping. J just so you know, if you have a tough time with this, recognize what you have. What, what do you have? Think about, I do this a lot of times. I mean, daily prayer, you, you begin and you end your prayer time with praise. You, you do the Lord's prayer as an outline. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Earth is in heaven. Give us a daily daily breath. Give us our debts as we forgive those who dress us against us. Lead not temptation, deliver us from evil. Here's the kingdom of power and the glory forever. It begins with praise and it ends with praise. Every morning, Lord, I thank you today. And I just begin to list all the things that I'm thankful for. And it's usually not stuff. It's usually things that money can't buy. Gives me perspective. You want to com combat scorekeeping? Is accept who you are. You know, there are just certain things. Like, I don't know if you're this way about clothes, but like, I just, I want to look a certain way, and I don't look that way. I got a little muffin top going on. It doesn't matter what I do. Seriously. Like, can I just meet you? I mean, like, I go to the doctor and go, what can I do about this? And he goes, nothing. Thank you. I appreciate that. So Spanx are my friend. Amen? <laughs> Shapewear for men. You, you can laugh. I don't, I don't have that on right now. But I do from time to time. It's like, I need to look good in this picture. So it's like, stick my neck out and listen. do anything I can. Angles. I was on a FaceTime with somebody the other day. And I, the way the camera was, he goes, man, are you been working out? I said, nope, but I'm going to be using this angle again. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> look, you are who you are. And again, going back to picking on Kevin Miller, I wish I was that good looking. Well, I am that good looking. I just don't have the body because I, I like to eat too much. But let's just be honest. Tell Kevin I said that. I hope he's watching. But no, I mean, like, I just, that's it. Can you accept who you are? That's hard. But the more that you do, the more you're going to be able to let things go. And then focus on who you are through Christ. That leads me to my last point, my final point, is that keeping score kills contentment. Keeping score kills contentment. When our, when our score is worse than others, we become discontent. And contentment is simply accepting who God wants me to be, where he wants me to be, doing what he wants me to do. 
Now, I want to camp out on this just for a second, and then we're going to pray and be done. This is my thorn in the flesh. If you want to know, like, this, if, if I had to be good at contentment in order to preach on it, I would never preach on it. This is my thorn in the flesh. This is something the Lord really spoke to my heart about, and I'm going to unpack it just for a minute, just very briefly on the sabbatical. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, says this. For Paul says, I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned. If you write or highlight, circle in your Bible, circle that word learned. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. For I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. But I have learned. There's that word again. Circle that, underline, highlight. The secret of being content. In every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Verse 13 is, is, this is a secret sauce. This is a secret of how to be content. I can do all of this through him, Christ, who gives me strength. Now, I used to read this, and I used to read verse 13. And I would go, yeah, because Jesus in me, I can do everything. That's not what it says. It's not what it says at all. It says this, that I can do all of this through Jesus, through Jesus, because he's the one that gives me strength. I can do all, whatever my, whatever my world, whatever God's asked me to do, whatever God's got in front of me, whatever the situation, whether I have a lot, right, and, and my Instagram feed is really, really awesome, or I have very little, and I'm not showing that on social media. Whether I've gained a job or got a promotion or made more money or whether I've lost a job or lost a promotion, whether I won the game or I lost the game, whether, whether I'm, I'm, I'm just living paycheck to paycheck and I don't have much or, or I've got more money than I know what to do with it, whether, the, whether my business is growing or whether it's stagnant, whether people like me or they don't like me, whether kids are good or they're bad, whether, whether a hardship is coming to my life that I didn't ask for, it's a bad doctor's report, it's, it's, it's a situation that's happened that's beyond my control or whether everything is wonderful in my life. I can be content. Why? Because I do everything that I do in life through Christ because he's the one that gives me strength. Paul says this, I learned to be content. Contentment is not, is not something that you're born with, that you naturally have. It, it, it is not a natural leaning of the human experience. Matter of fact, it is counterintuitive to how you are as a human because your natural inclination, again, go back to the toddler nursery, mine, mine. In the words of the great theologian, Toby Keith, I want to talk about me. It's all about you. It's all about me. It's all about I. It's all about my. It's all about all of that. It's our natural tendency. It's why Jesus says to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Not even as mama as you love your kids. You love you. Everybody loves you more than you love anyone else. I don't care what you say, what you do. It's how we're wired. It's how we're made. So how do I combat against that? Do I just sit like a pig and, pig and slop and just kind of go, this is how I am. I'm just going to be nasty and gross and disgusting. And I'm just going to accept it this way. Or am I going to go, no, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So how do I do that? It's to understand that contentment does not come naturally. I have to learn to be content. So the key is, is doing that through Christ. Here's how this works. All things are from God or by God, but they're through Christ. Check with me for a second. 
Revelation 4.11, I don't know if it's going to be on the screen, but Revelation 4.11 says this, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you, God, created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So everything is by God. This world was made by God, by his word, by his power, by his provision, by his sovereignty, by his blessing. Everything that has been made on this earth and above this earth and around this earth in your world, in my life, nothing happens without God allowing it or it being by God. But the verbiage for Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the second person of the Trinity, it's through. This word through is what's used. It's not by, it's through. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. Again, I don't know if that's going to be on the screen, but you can write that down. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19 says, All of this from God, by God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their own trespasses against them, and entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Salvation is by God, but through Jesus. This world was made by God, but redemption was made through Jesus. My salvation is by God, but through Jesus. My eternal life was given to me by God, but through Jesus. What's the difference? It's like this. If I go, if Tammy and I go for one of the girls, Ava's birthday's coming up, and for her birthday, we turn around and, and I go buy her something. I find a, a pair of shoes or a handbag or whatever it is, something that she wants. And I go to the store and I buy that. It doesn't matter how expensive it is. It doesn't matter what it is. It's what she wants and I buy it. I didn't make it. I didn't create it. I just bought it. It's from me. The tag will say from dad to Ava. But when she gets home, mom... Tammy has made her favorite meal from scratch and her favorite cake from scratch, her favorite dessert. So part of mom is in that gift. So the gift is by me, I paid for it, but the gift comes through Tammy because she's the one that created it. She's the one that made it. This is what Paul says. Everything in my world is by God. So I acknowledge that. But I can do everything that I need to do, everything that God has asked me to do, but I do it through Christ. What does that mean? That means I have to check my type A personality. That means I have to check my, my excuses for my, for, for, for my non-type A personality. It, it, it means I have to check my motives. It means I have to check everything. And it means at the end of the day, I have to simply go, it's not me, it's you, Lord. Palms up, what do you want? It means I have to check all of my striving. I am no longer trying to strive to be better than you, better than the church down the street, better than the business across the street, better than this. I'm, I can't control the outputs. I only control the inputs. And so the inputs are... I do it through Christ. I do it through Christ. I don't do it in and of myself. I do it through Christ. Wherever it falls, whatever happens, is if it's successful or not, that's up to him, not mine. Promotion doesn't come from the east or from the west, but from heaven above. God's the one that gives the increase in my life, whether I'm in business or whether I'm working as a missionary. It doesn't matter. He's ultimately in control. So I do all that I can do according to his word, and I just do it through him. I live my life through him. I get up every day, and I pray, and I give it to him because it's through him. I don't check out parts of my life and go, this is my job, God, and this is your job. God, you take care of Sundays, and I'll do Monday through Fridays, and we'll negotiate Saturdays. No, it's my life is through 
through him. My parenting is through him. My being a husband and a spouse is through him. My giving is through him. My finances are through him. He, God, you own it all. Do you want it? What do you need me to do? I'll give you everything that I have because it's through you. When I get up and do it, I do it through you. This is way easier preached than it is lived. But the last Sunday of my sabbatical, I was in a church service and the pastor read that verse. And I heard it like, I can do, I know I got to do everything Christ thinks of me, you know, right? I get all that. Athletes have that little 314 on their sneakers and different things and blah, 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 blah. And I get all that kind of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he started preaching. And man, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Matter of fact, so much so at the end of the service, when we went to the prayer time, I looked at Tammy, I said, I go to the altar. Because that's me. I'm striving to make things happen. I'm pushing to make things happen. I'm wanting to, to get somewhere. I'm wanting to change the world. See, I'm not in Milwaukee just because it's like, hey, I like Milwaukee. I do like Milwaukee. I'm not in Wisconsin because I just like the fall and cool, cold, crisp weather. I like cool, cold, crisp weather. But I'm here because God called me. So if I'm going to be here because he called me, I want to reach the city. If you really want to know, I want everybody to come to Life Church. I want everybody to get saved. I want to see the greatest revival that's ever happened in the history of humanity to happen in the city of Milwaukee. I want it to be where factories shut down and people shut down like they talk about with, with Wigglesworth and, 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 with, and with these great uh, uh, revivalists like Spurgeon and be able to do all this kind of stuff. But the problem with that is that's about me. It's not about him, it's about me. I want to, do you hear that in my verbiage? I wanna see this happen, I wanna see this happen, I wanna see this happen, I want, because there's times even in our striving, even in our contentment, there's times even when we wanna do the good or the right thing, it becomes about me. This is the problem with humanity. This is why I'm no different or no better than you. This is, think about who's writing this. It's Paul. Probably one of the most ambitious individuals in scripture. He writes most of the New Testament. The only reason why he sits down to write is because he's incarcerated because he's gonna be tried for his faith. Even while he's writing this, he's in a Roman jail cell. I've been there, you go to the city of Rome, you can go to the cell where he sat, where he wrote most of this and it's amazing. Tammy and I were there earlier this year and sat there. And every time we're in that city, not very often, but the times that we've been there, we go and go right there because there's this, there's in the, in the hubbub of all the things that are going on. You go to this place. There was a mom and her son and daughter from, from uh, Canada. And they had a guide. I was listening to the guide and he was talking. Well, some say, some say, and whatever. And they got in there and it's a very small area. And um, we, excuse us, and we were right there. I mean, it's very small. And she was, we introduced ourselves. When she found out I was a pastor, she was just like, we're, we're Pentecostal spirit-filled believers from, and I wanted my son to see this. And she said, I, well, we're here on business and my husband is doing business right now. And he's da 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 And we're just here. And so we got this private guide and he doesn't really understand. And I said, oh, no, ma'am. I looked at her son. I said, most of what we have in the canon of the New Testament was written in this room. It wasn't in some palatial place. It was here in an open sewage. It was here where he began to write these words. And it was not that he wanted to be here. He, if you read the book of Romans, Paul says, I'm on my way to Spain. But in my way to Spain, why is he going to Spain? Because in the first century, it was the epicenter of everything that was happening in our world. If you want to change the world, you go to Spain. You go to Rome. But he's stuck in Rome. He never gets to Spain because the Lord had him there. 
in order for him to write this. And in that place, he writes, whether I have much or I have little, whether I abound or I abased, I've learned the secret. I've learned to be content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things. Paul wanted to change the world, but he knew he couldn't change the world in and of himself. He'd gone to Mars Hill and he had, he had kind of debated with, with, the, with the philosophical minds of the first century. He goes before King Agrippa and King Agrippa says, you almost persuade me, Paul. That's why Paul says it's not by polished words. It's not by my power, my ingenuity. Paul was an incredibly intelligent man. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's through Christ. And I wonder how much scorekeeping we keep trying to keep up with somebody else. Instead of just going, whoa, 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 God, here it is. Here's my life. Do, it, do with it what you, what you will and how you can. But help me today to live for you. Help me to love my, my wife. Help me to serve your calling on my life. I love how it says in the book of Acts about David. And he, he served the purpose of God in his generation, and then he died. Help me to serve your purpose for my life and my generation. And when I'm done, take me on. That's contentment. Because when I'm content, I'm not striving with you. When I'm content, I'm not striving with me. I'm just doing what I do through Christ. So who do you live your life through? Is it you or is it Jesus? I know that sounds really Sunday morning, but I'm just telling you, it's really that simple. Are you confident in God's plan, a purpose, calling for your life, whatever it may be? Do you trust God's plan? That's scary. Been here 21 years. 21 years ago, I thought we'll be here for a few years. We'll get the church into a good place and then we'll go on to something else, something bigger and better. Having no clue that this would be the bigger and the better. And I mean that with, I am humbled and honored every day, every Sunday to come and minister to you. I don't wanna be anywhere else. Do I wanna change this city? I like to say it this way, I wanna see the city changed. But I don't care if God uses Jason Esposito at Crossway or Mike Valenti at Northbrook or Jake Worth at Mixed Church. I don't care who he uses. I just wanna see God's kingdom come in the city. I wanna see people come to faith in Jesus. Do I want Life Church to be a part of it? Absolutely. Do I love being here? Absolutely. But not my will, his will. Maybe this is a time for you to take a moment and contemplate and surrender. I don't know. I know today's a lot heavier message than what the opening video showed it was gonna be. It's about you. And the decisions that you make today, we'll see probably not this week or this month or maybe even this year, but we'll see five years from now or 10 years from now. Because I can tell you this, 
I'm going to pray and then the band's going to come out and they're going to lead us in a song and then we're going to wrap things up. One of the things I have done in my life, and I say this humbly because a lot of times I'll have different ones of you say, man, I just want a few minutes of your time. And, and I get it and I'm honored by that. And I wish I, trust me, if you knew me at all, I wish I could have a meal with everybody. I wish I could have coffee with everybody all the time. I just... And a lot of times it's like, hey, what, what do you think about, like, like I've got some inside track on this God thing. And the longer I do this, the more I realize what I don't know. I heard Billy Graham one time in a Larry, um, CNN, I can't think of his name, Larry King interview. And he said, yeah, Larry King said, what do you think, what do you want God to say to you when you get on the other side? He says, I hope, Larry, that I hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And I remember hearing that as a young preacher going, really? I mean, you're Billy Graham. Again, that's the comparison, right? That's a, that's a keeping score. How many arenas and, and places have you, how many millions? You've, Billy Graham has preached to more people than any single living human being alive at any time, including Jesus. But the longer I do this, the more I go, I get it. Because I don't trust me. The one thing I wish I could do is just is, is say this over and over and over again. And I would say this to you over and over and over. Don't put your eyes on a pastor. Don't put your eyes on people. Put your eyes on Jesus. Pastors will fail you. People will fail you. Great men and women of God, even as good as Billy, they'll fail you. The only person that won't is Jesus. That's not false humility. Please don't go, oh, that's why I love that guy. That's why I don't say those things because people go, oh, this is so great. No, it's true because I don't trust me because what I have learned to do is trust in the Lord and just do it through him. Preach through him, lead through him. Does it not mean that I don't work? Oh no, I work, man. I think, I process, I read, I, 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 I go, I do everything I can do. I do all that I have the ability to do, but I ultimately just give it to him and say, it's gotta be through you, through you Lord. Because if it's not through you, if the sermon's not through you, if the message's not through you, if the work is not through you, if the church is not through you, if the work of my hands are not through you, doesn't work. If your business isn't through him, if your life isn't through him, if your marriage isn't through him, if your kids aren't through him, if it's just about you, it doesn't work because human ingenuity fails in so many different areas. But when it's through Christ, whether we have much or we have little, we're content. Whether we're on top or on bottom, we're content. Whether the scoreboard looks good or bad, we're still winners. It's through Christ. How are you today? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes to me today? Father, I just thank you for your word that it's so direct about we should not compare ourselves with other people. We should look at our own lives. And if there's any, any satisfaction, we should find that how we're running our race with you. But it's so easy to keep score and to allow jealousy and envy comparison, even striving to become common denominators in our walk, in our life, things that characterize how we feel and how we view others. And no one likes that feeling that way, Lord. But you've given us the ability to not have to do that, 
But the secret sauce of combating this is contentment, which is something we can learn through Christ. Speak to our hearts this morning, Holy Spirit. There's areas where we need to make things right, let us make things right. There's areas where we need to confess our sins, let us confess our sins. There's areas where we need to make adjustments. Let us do that today in Jesus' name. Amen.